Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am delighted to be joined by Dimity McDowell today. Woohoo! Dimity McDowell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I fe- I realized that for like our first, I don't know, 200 shows or something, we never said what our last names are. Yeah, so. but I kind of, then, then, then we're just, then we're just instant friends. You're Sarah, I'm Dimity, you know? It's I, my, I kinda, it, you know? Like, it's my East, it's my East Coast thing, you know, coming okay. out. Okay. All right, Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. call you Sarah Connecticut Shea. <laughs> um... So, yes. Yeah, so, um, so Dim, I don't think I've shared some exciting family news with us. Gosh, which makes it sound like I'm pregnant, which is not the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, the twins are finishing up fifth grade. You know that. But we put into the lottery here in Portland, the Portland Public School Lottery. And the twins literally won the lottery. They got into Da Vinci Arts Middle School, which is the arts middle school that their sister's graduating from and it's just it's really tough to get in and it's only through lottery and did they did they could they go do they get in together like is it um, a i made it you, you can when you have multiples you can choose to link them or not uh-huh. and so we chose um to link them so they either would both get in or neither would get in and they had no pull from from phoebe because you only get sibling preference if your sibling is going to be at Da Vinci or whatever school you're applying to while the other incoming kids are still sure. there. So she'd have to be like going going into eighth grade or sixth, seventh grade. So more than 500 kids applied and only 150 got in. So, Sweet. Mm-hmm, yeah. Gosh, go buy a lottery ticket. Right. right. A so, real lottery ticket, right. not a school lottery. I mean, come on, that's worth nothing. Right. So let's win some money. <laughs> Powerball. Uh, so, um, so they, I mean, we were just jubilant about it. But then the crashing reality came in the next day when they went to school and so many of their friends didn't get in. Sure. And oh my goodness, just a lot of tears, a lot of disappointment. And I admit that I had a little bit of, um, you know, mom of multiple guilt thinking, oh, we took up two spots. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's good. I mean, that's. That's life, right? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I mean, you you know, you don't always get to just move in packs with your friends. They'll make new friends. Other people will make new friends, and they yeah. make back together for high school. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so they are thrilled, and um, I'm trying to encourage John to get back into dance because he has a real flair for it. And they're both like, oh, we want to do drama. And I'm like, oh, you're good at creating drama. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we got that down. We don't need to go to school for that. Right. 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 So. Um, that's great. Good, yeah, good. Yeah, well, that's yeah, great. That's yeah. a, a big deal. We have uh, Amelia moves on not next not next year, but the year after. So that'll be a high school thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but our school goes to eighth grade. So mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have to make that. Tr- it's a seamless transition then. Just yes, yes. Although there. I will say, people get so worked up about it. You really? know, and I think it's probably. I don't think it's just in Denver. I just think it's the, you know, it's the parent thing. Like, <gasps> have you thought about where she's going to go to high school? Oh, and uh-huh. and, and, and not. And I'm like, no, I, I'm not from Denver. We're going to tackle that when she's in eighth grade. You mm-hmm. know, like it's not college. And, you know, it's, I just I just refuse to let myself get all worked up. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a, one of those topics that I, I just feel like everyone asks me these days. And I'm just like, there's like three schools that she could potentially go to. You know, mm-hmm. she will shadow each three. We don't need to shadow them this spring when she's in seventh, seventh grade. grade. Right. You know, like next fall. Go back to back so she can compare all three and, you know, have them fresh in her memory and then we'll pick one. Because uh-huh. every school has ups and downs, right? It's not like any school is perfect, especially a public school in a city, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. like just chill out. That's my little. We, um, so as I said, Phoebe's graduating from eighth grade and so she is going into high school. And so we have a fabulous neighborhood school. It's called Grant. And so, but there's um, a really wonderful all girls um, parochial school. It's pretty light on the parochial part, but it's called St. Mary's. And so I really want Phoebe to go there because I feel she'd really thrive. They have a very strong drama program. She's also into um, the thespian scene. 
Um, and so I, she did do a shadow day and boy, she just had less than no interest to go there. And, uh, just one day I was out on a walk and I just thought, yep, we can save that money and she can go to the perfectly fine public high school that is walking distance from our house. Yes. And, um, and so then we were, um, Jack and I were at a cocktail party on Friday night, a neighborhood cocktail party hosted by the family that we carpool to school with. And so their daughter, Rachel, is going to St. Mary's. And the dad was, he and I were sitting around talking, and I said, oh, you know, it's too bad Phoebe and Rachel won't be, you know, carpooling anymore. And he turned to me, and he's like, I really wish that Rachel was going to grant with Phoebe. I'm like, really? And uh, and he was just saying, what a fantastic... He did grow up here in Portland, so he does know... Um, about the schools on somewhat of a personal level. And he was just saying what a fabulous school he thinks it is and the great opportunities and how because they have so many students, they have to have all these opportunities. And I have to say, after going to the school, going to Grant to, to you know hear about the curriculum, I'm like, ooh, can I come here? I want to take yeah. some like architecture <laughs> classes and, and brush I up know. on my Spanish. <laughs> isn't that, yeah, isn't that awesome? I love, I love Amelia right now. They have... Um... I can't remember what it's called, but it's like their little extra class that they get to pick, you know, and it's Elective. like art or music. Uh-huh. She has wiffle ball right now. I'm like, how great would it be to be in like springtime and once a day you get to go outside and play wiffle ball? Like that's just, that's, that's, I like that, you know, oh a little, little lightness, little wiffle in your life. I got to say though, if you were like on Family Feud and they'd be like, Na- you know, name an elective, a middle school elective, and you'd like yeah. bang the thing and you'd be like, wiffle ball. <laughs> Richard Dawson would be like, no. Pottery, Shakespeare, wiffle ball. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's called, elective. Thing. Yeah, woodworking, wiffle ball. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, and you have, it sounds like you have a long run in your future, even though you just ran a marathon. I do. Uh, yes, uh, Boston was one month ago today, and... Yes, so on Saturday, I have mentioned that um, family friend Will Shaw is coming down from Seattle. He is on a train. He's on the train like a mother. Finish it marathon plan for his first marathon, which is going to be on Father's Day, which also happens to be his 60th birthday. And wow. yeah, so really nice um, alignment of the stars there. It's um, rock and roll Seattle is Father's Day and his birthday. And so for oh gosh, probably two years he's been saying that he wants to do this. So he. Um, I sent him the plan and really talked to I've talked him off several ledges, um, <laughs> including yesterday he emailed me and was like, I'm just really nervous about this. I'm just, I'm really, really nervous about this. And so I called him. I'm like, Will, it is, I'm not gonna, it's not my run. It's your run. We're going at your pace. It is your agenda. You know, I will plan the route, but tell me what you're looking for. And so I had planned this one route that um, goes up for Portland listeners, I was going to take him up to Williger as part of the thing, which is a long, steady climb. It's super pretty shaded. It's lovely. And he was like, no, 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 I don't want many hills. I'm like, okay, done. Well, we're not going up to Williger. So <laughs> um, so we're doing a, um, a fair bit of the course that is the Portland Marathon course. So there's only one somewhat significant climb up to a bridge. And, and he lives in Seattle, which is a hilly place, as you and I know from having sure. run there. So I was trying to give him kind of an analogy for what it's like. I was like, it's like Lake Union when you climb up to go on that bridge that goes across it. And so uh, I think that calmed his nerves a little and and... So yeah, we're going to have awesome. fun and he's going to, um, he does not usually carry water with him when he runs. Oh, so yeah. So, but I, you know, I've talked him into goo. He drinks noon beforehand. Like I've, I've given him some lessons that he has incorporated into his life, but I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to give you a fuel belt of mine. He's probably, you know, not all that much bigger than I am. I'm like, so you're going to carry 40 ounces of water around your waist, you know, put some noon tablets in. We'll be good to go. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Awesome. So, awesome. Yes. So I think it's going to be good. Well, I gotta say I have a little, um, celebrity, not, Ooh. it's not really celebrity, but it was, um, good kind of running insight. Mm. So last, last weekend, um, coach Mary Catherine MK and I took, um, the Arthur Lydiard coaching yeah. certification. It yeah. was really, it was great. It was like two and a half days of running, history and um and technique and of course a lot of like structure for training plans and stuff but um this woman was in the course is very she's beautiful like blonde beautiful total runner's body so she she reminded you of me yeah exactly and i was like wow i didn't i didn't realize my identical twin was here so yeah (laughs) and um 
Anyway, it turns out that um, if you watched the 60 Minutes um, a couple weeks ago when they were talking about the Russian doping scandal, does this ring a bell at all? I don't watch 60 Minutes, but I know about the Russian doping scandal because of yeah, my favorite like newspaper. It's, it's, it's her and her husband. Her name mm-hmm. is Yulia. Mm-hmm. Yulia, and I don't know her husband's name. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were the ones that blew the whistle. And oh. he's the one that sent like 70 emails to WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency, mm-hmm. um, to say like this is what's going on in Russia. Wow. And so she is coaching herself right now in – um, an undisclosed location, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, so so um, Lorraine Muller, who is the 1992 bronze medalist, and you know still very involved in the running world, invited her to come so that she could get some fundamentals of how to coach herself. And she's hoping to run in the 2016 Olympics in Rio under the Olympic flag. I guess they have a couple people oh. who run, whether they're like an asylum or whatever. But she wants to. So she's an 800 meter runner and. Holy cow. So we went out and did these um, running drills. He, he has a special like hill bounding thing. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was showing it to, you know, we were we were out practicing. Well, not me because I'm in a boot, but everybody else was out practicing. And I mean, she just like, <laughs> I have videotape of it and her like bounding up the hill. I mean, she's like a gazelle. Like <laughs> the idea is that you're supposed to be kind of like a deer jumping over a fence, kind of your straighten your back leg and have your front knee kind of up, you know, so you're really bounding up the hill and she's just like, dung, dung, dung. Everyone's like, <laughs> clunk, clunk, clunk next to her. But it was, it was cool. I mean, she was very nice. Her, um, her English wasn't great, but she was, um, I was just like, wow, that's kind of, it was a little interesting just to come because, um, MK was like, I know, I know her, I know, I know her. And then her husband came in and she has a little boy too, who's oh. probably, I don't know, two or something at the end of the first day. And she was like, 60 minutes. That's what they were on there at 60 minutes. Oh. So, oh. yeah. Wow. So, and they are persona non grata in, in Russia. So, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, um, they, I mean, so the story is, is they met, um, if you watch it, I mean, you should link to this oh. in the thing you should show the piece. Cause it's like 10 minutes long. I came home and watched it on Saturday night. But mm-hmm. so Yulia, um, was an athlete, is an athlete, and she doped a ton in Russia because that's oh. all they did. Uh-huh. And um, and uh, her husband was um, worked for the Anti-Doping Association in the Soviet Union in Russia. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, he, like, they on their second date, like, she told him, I'm doping, and yet oh. they continued to date wow. because basically the anti-doping thing in Russia covered everything up. Wow. Um, that was a whole thing. And that's why the Sochi Olympics, all their, the, the lab is, you know, tainted and mm-hmm. all this stuff. But anyway, I mean, it's like, it's like a lifetime story. And basically like they were on the verge of divorce. Um, and she got, she got injured and came off the drugs and they decided to go forward and, and, and expose this whole huge, wow. you know, structure of. Right. Right. Drugs. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she didn't talk about it at all <laughs> and we didn't bring it up at all, but, um, but she took a copy of run like a mother. She didn't want a hat. I was going to, I brought her another mother runner hat. She said, I know where I don't like to wear when I'm running. I was like, uh-huh. that's fine. That's fine. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, oh it was cool. Gosh. I mean, she was very, very nice. And I, and I truly hope that she can compete just because. Well, and then, then I just would sort of be like looking around every corner outside of that class to be, you know, look for the, you know, kind of Russian thug looking guy. Well, that's the thing, the KGB, right? Like, and, and, you know, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a whole nother layer to it and whatever, but yeah. So she was just at this thing for the weekend and, um, I actually don't even know where she lives. I didn't say. Yeah, so. yeah of course. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, in, so intrigue kind of, and drama. Intrigue in, in between learning about intervals, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's so um, fitting that you were just at a running workshop because in this episode, we're being joined by Danny Dreyer, the well-known co-founder, along with his wife, of Chi Running and Chi Walking, forms of movement that blend Tai Chi with running and walking that he teaches in workshops all around the world. The author of several books, including Chi Running and Revolution, a, a Revolutionary Approach to Effortless Injury-Free Running and Chi Marathon, the Breakthrough Natural Running Program for a Pain-Free Half-Marathon Marathon, Danny is now a featured presenter on a new album called Running Deep, Guided Meditation for Runners. 
Danny is an accomplished runner who has raced every distance from 10K to 100 miles, placing in the top three of his age group in all but one of the 40 ultras he's run since 1995. Danny joins us from Asheville, North Carolina, where he lives with his wife and their daughter. Before Danny joins us, we're going to take a quick break. Stay focused and stay tuned. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Danny Dreyer, welcome to the show. It's hard to believe we've waited this long to have you on it. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. It's great to be here. I know you're a legend, a legend in your own time in the running world. So um, your, your running history is super deep. So share, share some of the highlights um, with us so that you, like when you look back at your best That's runs, that. your best races, what, what comes to mind? Well, I know the one that I trained the hardest for and worked the hardest for was uh, when I ran Leadville Trail 100 race. Yes. <laughs> that is a mother of a race, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and it was my first 100-miler. And um, <clears throat> But it, the training was the part that I just loved about it. Training for it was almost more fun than doing the race, but it was because I was living in Boulder at the time. And so I got to run up in the, you know, the, all the range up above Boulder there. And, uh, and then, but I was able to finish uh, eighth overall. Wow. My first 100 miler. So I felt so glad about that. And, um, oh, and you need, to, you need to brag a little bit more. Tell people who aren't familiar with Leadville 100 how incredibly challenging it is. Well, the Leadville Trail 100 has, uh, I think they now allow maybe 350 people in the race. They have never had 50% of the people finish wow. ever wow. in the history of the race. And uh, for people who don't know, it's a 100-mile race in Leadville, Colorado. Almost the entire race is over 10,000 feet in elevation. <sighs> I need supplemental and, oxygen just listening to you talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's thin up there. And the highest point on the course is 12.6. So and you go over that twice if you can imagine. Yeah, and, yeah, and the uh, the mental part about it is is out. It's an out and back, right? It's so an out that, and back. So however oh. hard the first half is, you know what? The second half is going to be even harder. So you know, so you go down something, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to climb back up this, or yeah, vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you know it's a six mile downhill steep, and you go. <laughs> And you're just going, oh, no, I'm really going to have to come back up this again, you know. Wow. wow. And so are you still racing? Do you race these days? Or are you more of a, I hate the word recreational runner, but are you just running for the joy of it? Or what are you up to? Runner. Yeah, no, I run for the joy of it. And I do race. But, you know, I'm almost 67 years old now. And if I show up, I win my age group. So it's not like I go out and race, you know. Well, it's, I was about to say, that it is like you go out and race. And you kick yeah. ass and you win your age group every time. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, in my age group every time, depending on whether anybody in my age group shows up or not. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think I think as this running boom continues, and the problem is, is that there, I think the age groups get bigger and bigger. So that then yeah. it's like before, if you you would truly be the only man probably over sixty. And now it's like, no, look how many other dudes <laughs> over sixty are here. <laughs> well, I, I did. I do love to compete still, and I like to race when I race and um, when I run an event. I don't just run an event. I don't know if I've ever just run an event. Unless I was pacing somebody, but I, you know, I ran a half marathon, a trail marathon, just recently here in Asheville. That's where I live, and uh, I, I think I ran a one forty-five. You know, so oh, yeah. incredibly respectful, <laughs> respectable. So I am still racing. What it is now, I try to see how many other age group people I can beat. <laughs> if I could beat the fifty-year-olds or maybe some forty-five-year-olds, then I feel great. You know, right. Nice, nice. All right. Well, and you also have um, a, a vast experience with meditation and um, Tai Chi. So tell us about um, that part of your background, please. Gosh, I've been meditating. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, I've been meditating now for 45 years. Wow. And um, started way back on TM when it first you know, came to the country with Maharishi. I started then. I didn't stick with that one long, but I have been consistently meditating, though, for 45 years. Maybe, maybe tell people that TM stands for Transcendental Meditation. Transcendental Meditation, yes. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's uh, it was a really good way to get started into it, and I've gone through various spiritual teachers since then that have altered or adjusted or changed my meditation. And now, my meditation is uh, a combination of sitting meditation and running. My running is is equal to my meditation as anything else, you know. Yeah. And uh, and so and then my Tai Chi practice. I I started doing Tai Chi in 1997. Mm-hmm. So coming up on um, 20 years, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. And I love it. I do it every day. And I, in fact, every day when I run, I stop in the middle of my run. I usually look for a nice, uh, beautiful view and a flat spot, and I'll just stop, do my Tai Chi little thing, and then. Continue running. It's a really nice. I, I just love the ritual. <laughs> it's and, great. And so, how long do you stop for? And and um, I, having lived in San Francisco, I've certainly seen a lot of people in parks doing Tai Chi. Yeah, and to go straight through the uh, system that I do takes a full ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just that's remembering every move for ten minutes. That's a lot to remember. So. <laughs> So and and you the older did- you get, the harder it is to remember all those. <laughs> Stop in the middle and you know keep going. Uh-huh. Well, and as your um your background, I mean Tai Chi is what led you to the thing that you are most famous for is Chi running, right? Do you want to tell that story yes. a little bit about your oh, yeah. the instructor uh, in San Francisco? Yeah. Um, well, what I did was, um, you know, I. I was a professional woodworker. I built custom furniture for many years and loved the work. And I had my own studio. It was, uh, getting, it was fun getting paid to do artwork is really what it is. And, and, uh, but my hearing was going bad from all the machines. Hmm. And so I did move to San Francisco and I was really looking for a, a kind of a new occupation. And so I had been an ultramarathoner for many years and I'd already been a runner for 25 years. And then when I was introduced to Tai Chi for the first time, I was in the middle of uh, training for um, a bunch of, a series of ultras. And, you know, I went to this class and the first thing the guy talks about is posture. And um, in fact, that's all I did was stand in posture for the first three weeks of that class. Wow. And uh, everyone else was already ahead of me, so he just took me aside and had me stand <laughs> for an hour and a half twice a week for three weeks. Wow. And, uh, but I really got it. So I, I went and I realized that what he was teaching in Tai Chi was for pe- how to have good structural integrity so your body is supported well. And then how to relax everything else. So all the moving parts um, is what you really want to relax, especially in Tai Chi. But when you're in a support stance, you want to have your inner integrity supported by your bones and ligaments and tendons. And so I kind of took that principle and I went out and started applying it to my running and just changing how I was in my support stance during my stride and then really working at relaxing my arms and shoulders and hips and legs, uh, it completely rocked my boat. I mean, I w- uh, the first time I tried it, I went out for like a five-mile run, and I came back, and I really didn't feel like I had done a run. In fact, I went back out and ran three more miles because I felt <laughs> like I was cheating. <laughs> and, and plus, my speed was different and everything else. And it was like, wow, if it's this easy, there really is something to this. And so... That's how I started teaching. So when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't want to do woodworking, so I started teaching uh, running classes. And um, my wife, the reason why we moved out there is my wife was offered a job in an internet startup. So she was getting paid enough that I could actually take a couple of months off and develop this, which I thank her every day of my life. (laughs) Um, And so I was able to develop this, and I started teaching classes, and I started uh, giving free classes to all technique classes to all the team and training groups in San Francisco and uh, anybody that would listen to me. And uh, so I started practicing, honing my skills of teaching because I'd never really been a teacher before either. But I just loved it so much that it really um, took off and people were having great results. And that's when my wife, who has a background in publishing, she said, you know what? There's a book in this. Mm. And uh, if you would have told me, you know, six months earlier I was going to be writing a book, I would have said, you are really not firing on all cylinders. Because <laughs> 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 I had never written anything, I, you know. So 
I had to, once, but once I found my voice, you know, and could really just talk like I'm talking to you ladies across the table and having a cup of tea, you know, mm-hmm. once I got that voice, it was like I could go forever. And, and, and since then, it's been uh, just this whole love of, you know, helping people to, you know, find a better way to move. And I've learned so much since even those early days, additional information I've had. I, I, to, uh, I collaborated with my first Tai Chi teacher. Um, he's now a grandmaster, and he helped me for the first nine years uh, really work at how to feel this working inside your body. So that's my job is to get other people to feel it in their body as I'm teaching. It's fun. So, so, and then, so unlike Dimity, I've never taken a chi running workshop. So, yeah. so for folks listening who haven't either, you know, kind of please explain how you teach people to hone the practice and, and, you know, what are some of the tenets oh, yeah. of chi running? Yeah, well, so the very first thing I teach in a class, in fact, I just taught in Chicago last weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I always start off with is um, posture, because that's the support. So having good posture means that your body is really well aligned whenever your weight is on one of those support legs, okay? So it's learning how to align your body, learning how to um, build a stronger core so that it's a, it's a stable system that you land on. And uh, so I start with posture, and then we go to how to work with your lower body, and then we go how to work with your upper body, and um, you know how to have good structural integrity but tons of relaxation. So the principles out of Tai Chi that I apply right to the running and to the running classes are alignment and relaxation. Those two things are what I spend most of the day teaching people is how to get aligned and how to relax. And uh, it's a wonderful combination of both. You, You can't align and then relax and you can't just relax. You have to have this great combination of both, and that is the essence of uh, what really good, efficient movement is. You know, efficient movement means you're not using any muscle in a way that it wasn't designed to use, and you're not using any muscle more than it needs to be used at any given time while you run or while you walk. Okay, so you're never overusing your muscles, and because um, that's where you get injured. And you're never running in a way that creates a lot of impact because that's the other way you get injured. So, you know, so we cover injury prevention through the class, but it's also that injury prevention comes out of just going through the real basics of technique. Yeah, it's that very sweet spot, right? And I mean, I think I'm just curious if you found like over the years because you started when, like, when did you teach your first class in San Francisco? What year was that? Do you remember? Oh, 1998. Oh, okay. So I guess we were kind of already in our computer world by then. But I'm just wondering if you've noticed if people's postures over the past, you know, 18 years have oh. gotten significantly worse. <laughs> now yes. that we all work with cell phones and all that. I know mine has. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to, right? I mean, you're we're constantly crouched, right? And not only that, but the younger crowd, you know, um, 20-somethings and stuff, they all have, you know, um, kyphosis because they're always looking down at their cell phone. And really, it's it's definitely something that if you don't, if you're not careful with it and don't correct it, you could end up with your neck shaped in a, you know, bent over position. And I I have a daughter who's 16. And she's, um, I always have to tell her at least, if you got to be on your cell phone all the time, hold it up in front of your face. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't hold it down at your belly button, you know? Uh, It's really not doing you any favors. So it has definitely been more difficult. And people also have much tighter hamstrings from sitting so much. Hmm. You know, sitting is the new smoking. And uh, so we're trying to get people uh, moving more, getting up from the decks more often, uh, looking up from the monitor more often so you can focus at a distance, focus close, focus at a distance, you know, move your head around. It's, it's this whole thing about we spend so many hours of our day completely locked down, you know. And yeah. so, so it's really all through the class I give examples of how to apply a lot of this stuff to when you're sitting desk, you know, sitting up straight, raising your monitor so you're not looking down at it, uh, you know, all kinds of tricks. Yeah, 
if you could see me right now, Danny, I am like perfect. I'm at my standing desk. I, you know, I'm looking at the wall ahead of me. I, I have to like look down at the screen, but it's funny. Cause like, you know, as soon as you said posture, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so uh, it. And it's so hard to, you just have to continually remind yourself, right? To keep standing going. desks are awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. I have one I and you know, it's the only way to go. It is. I can't work at it really. I can do podcasts and I can answer email and stuff. I haven't been able to write at it yet. Can you do all your work at a standing desk? No, I have to take spells on, yeah. off, on. Sometimes when I'm writing, I type much faster when I'm sitting. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, I, you know, ideas come quicker sometimes. But, you know, for the normal part of the workday and answering emails and stuff like that, <clears throat> standing is the way to go. Standing is the way to go. Yeah, so the thing that I remember most about your chi running, I mean, it's definitely a very um, comprehensive program and there are a lot of steps to it, right? I mean, yeah. it's not making it like sound like it's, it's impenetrable, but there's definitely <laughs> like a whole sequence of the way that you get into the chi running mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, But I mean, the one that sticks with me now, you know, having taken the course, I mean, I think it was three years ago or maybe maybe even yeah. longer. Um, it's just the idea is that you were thinking about when you're running, you're riding on a unicycle. And so yeah. like your legs are just spinning in nice circles. You've got a little bit of a forward lean. You're going mm -hmm. light. You're going easy. I mean, those are kind of the, I mean, is that kind of what you want people? Yeah. To, if, like, they can't, if they can't remember all the gears and all the warm-up <laughs> exercises and everything, you know, I mean, is that kind yeah. of the end of the day what you want? Yes. What I want is I, that's why I like to teach in images. You know, yeah. so that image of riding a unicycle is great. So I, you know, you have to have really good posture on a unicycle. <laughs> if you slump any direction, that's the direction you go. You know, and so I use images a lot, and I also um, because there is so much to remember. Yeah. Uh, I also tell people to just start off doing just try one thing at a time a week. You know, we in fact just uh, about a year ago actually I started a new uh, system of teaching. Um, where we have, it's called the Chi Running School, and it's a subscription thing where people can pay by the month, and we uh, deliver to their inbox every Saturday one lesson, just one lesson. And it could be, it's some of them are really simple. Just hold your arm at a right angle, you know, or swing your elbows rearward, or remember some aspect of posture. And all they do, uh, and I send them a video, and, and along with that, they get an audio download. So I talk them through this whole thing so they can download it onto their iPhone or their MP3 player. And they watch this little one-lesson video, and then they go out and they just do that lesson for the entire week. That's mm -hmm. all they think about is one lesson for a whole week. And then the following Saturday, I send them a new one. Yeah. And then they do that for one whole week. So you can see if you've tried to maintain a bunch of focuses, it's like trying to keep 10 plates spinning at once. You know? Sure. <laughs> and I realized that problem. And so that's why I wanted to like come up with some way that people could really get it. And, and when I realized that repetition is king, you know, the more times you repeat something, the sooner all those neural transmitters are going to kick in and say, you know what? this is a repetitive motion thing, we need to learn it, okay? And so the more often you repeat anything, the sooner you actually learn it and change to the new mode of motion. And so this allows people to repeat the exact same thing for an entire week, and it gets into their system, and then the next week they learn a new lesson, but the old one is still in their system. They haven't forgotten it. It's got a good, strong body memory and everything else. So yeah. it seems people love it. They, they like learning that way. So that's Yeah, that, that seems like a really smart way to kind of just weave them layer on top of layer. That's a good, yep. good yeah. way to do it for sure. Cause, yeah. Because am I allowed to confess that I don't like to concentrate on form when I run? That, 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 <laughs> That's that my, legal. That, that my, my mind goes blank. And to concentrate on form, I feel it adds to the exertion level and kind of decreases my enjoyment to have to focus on doing this and not doing that. And, you know, so what do you tell a Well, there's like an me? easy way around that. Mm -hmm. So, so um because I've taught so many people, everybody comes to me with the exact same thing. You know, <laughs> I don't want to think that much when I'm, when yeah. I'm running. Okay. So... What you really want to do is kind of have enough of a knowledge of what's correct to do mm -hmm. that you can actually just learn to sense in your body when something is right or something's not quite right. Okay, and the easiest way to sense is when you start feeling 
fatigue or maybe even discomfort in some part of your body, okay? So let's say you're running along and your knee starts to feel something, you know? Um, so all you do is you don't think of all the focuses you need or now what, now what would Danny say here? You know? <laughs> <laughs> all you do is you go, okay, now my, my body is talking to me. What's it saying? And so that you're saying, okay, it's my knee and it's telling me that every time I come down on it, it hurts a little. And so maybe there's some way that I'm coming down onto it that I could look at or adjust or change or alter. And so you, it's, it's almost like uh, listening to a little curious kid who's talking to you and wants you to understand what they're into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you just listen to your body as objectively as you can. You don't say, oh, shut up. You know, I'm going to take an Advil. I don't want to listen to you again. <laughs> Forget about it. Are you sure? That's, I like that. <laughs> you just go, oh, so what are you trying to tell me? And so then your knee will say, wow, it really hurts. And you, then you go, okay, well, okay, so there's too much impact here. Maybe I could shorten my stride. Let's see if that makes a difference. You tell that to your body. And so your body shortens its stride and the body goes, hmm, you know what? It actually feels a little better. And then you go, okay, we're cool. And your knee says, okay, we're cool. And, you know, it's this really fun way to kind of learn about your body, listen to it, um, be able to come up with a creative response given the background knowledge that you are kind of on an ongoing study basis with. You know, if you're reading a book or watching DVDs or anything like that, it informs you about uh, what can go wrong and kind of how to correct it. But you're not thinking about all that stuff every time you go out to run. You're really going out to run to kind of listen to your body and see what it needs at any given time. Now, when you first start learning this, it is true. It is nice to know step-by-step step exactly the focus is to do to have a good arm swing, let's say, or to have a midfoot strike, okay? There are a certain number of things you need to kind of line up to do that. So you can practice that one day a week, mm -hmm. and then the next day you go out and just run, and you go, okay, well, let's see what happens. Let's see what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So it's not really thinking about using your mind the whole time. It's really more dropping into a space of observation where you're just watching your body. What does it feel right now? Is this, is it, is, am I struggling to get up this hill? Well, I wonder why. What could I do to make it easier? That's all you do is ask yourself. And your body might say something like, you know what? Take shorter strides, you idiot. You're like working me to death. You know? Or lean into it. Or, you know, um, slow down, you know. We're not in a hurry to get up there. You know, your body will always have an answer, some way or another. And the more you get this conversation going back between the two of you, between your mind and your body, the better mind-body connection you get. You know, and pretty soon you start talking like an old married couple. <laughs> you know, one of them Which is not at all, right? Like you don't, yeah. there's no connect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You must um, be no, married, obviously. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, one of the things that, I mean, I think there is this um, kind of thought about chi running or any kind of like running, you know, strategy or system that you have to like, you just have to really, really think about it. And the reality is, oh, is yeah. yeah, for the first couple of weeks maybe, but um but I mean, you know, what we did or what I learned to do is like every, you know, every mile, like if I was thinking about my arm swing, you know, yeah. or if that's the step I was on every mile, okay, just for a minute, let's just think about that. Or, yeah, just, yeah, you know, it's not like, I'm, just, timers, my gosh, you know? I'm setting out and all I'm going to think about is how I'm swinging my arms. Like it's not that <laughs> intense, right? No. I mean, the other thing that you, that Danny brought up and I, and I just want to, I mean, the, the times that I call on it now is yeah. when I'm tired, right? It's at mile yeah. 12 of a half marathon. It's it sure. because the other times I've, kind of I don't think I've got it I'm, I won't I won't ever say that but I feel like I've got enough of in Sarah you've got enough of a way to run that yeah. feels good for 90 percent of the time right mm -hmm. but when you're tired how can I make it lighter how can I make it easier how can I get up this hill more efficiently I mean that's just that's that's the kind of thing that I feel like where this really comes in it's not necessarily yeah. like I'm gonna like you know deeply analyze every step I'm taking <laughs> but instead yeah. I'm just gonna talk about you know when it really hurts it's still going to hurt, but hey, if I stand up straight, it actually I feel better. I feel lighter. Right. I feel like I'm not putting as much effort in. Or if I make my steps quicker and lighter and I try to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You can call it kinetic uh, problem solving. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
That's exactly. What it is. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, well, so let's talk a little bit about um, the meditation, um, the, the Running Deep album that you were on. So it's not a CD, it's a download, but it's, it's, it's yeah. a whole, how many are on there, do you know? Well, I think there's like six, six of us, each with two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Twelve tracks, yeah. Two meditations, 12 tracks, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I just, so I will say I'm, I'm injured right now. Not, no, yeah. uh, no relation to chi running, but, um, <laughs> you, did you I, fall off a bar table or something or what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> leave it at that. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so I was riding my bike outside right before we, um, right before we came into here and by outside, I mean, I'm on the trainer on my porch on my back oh, porch. Okay. and I listened to your two, um, your two segments. One is the five senses running meditation and one is the 3d running meditation. And, yeah. um, Oh my gosh, like even though I was sitting going nowhere, like I really I really enjoyed them first of all, and then second of all, I can see how how awesome they would be if I was actually in motion on a trail, right? Oh, can you imagine on a trail doing the 3D thing? Oh. It is a joy. I mean, it is like, oh my god. Running is like so much in the background and this is really what's happening, you know, kind yeah, of thing. So, so talk about it. What tell us about running in 3D and how what that means? Well, you know, what it means, it's why I even came up with it is because, because remember how were you talking about everybody in front of their computer all day sitting down, you just get used to living in what looks like a flat screen world, you know, and even when you look up and look around, you don't really um, acknowledge that some things are closer, some things are farther, um, that there is really depth in your world, okay, and that's that's when you're kind of in a danger zone is what I would say. <laughs> Is when you really don't see any depth in your world, where it's just go to work, go home, get in your car, stay in rush hour traffic for an hour, and then that's my life. You know, there is no depth in your world, and so I wanted people to um, really get a sense in their body of their not only how big the world around them is, but also where to locate themselves in that orb that they're surrounded by. Okay, so in the in the running meditation of 3D, what I do is have people, you know, get into a nice warm-up, get into a very relaxed pace. I highly suggest going to do a trail and, uh, or a bike path that is out in nature. And, um, and then just kind of settle in. And what you want to do is just start watching. And I'm not saying um, looking for things. I'm just saying watching. Like you're the observer. It's like it's just a huge TV set that you're rolling through. Okay. And I want you to look at the things that are close to you and just notice them. And the whole trick to any meditation is to uh, replace the use of your mind, the chatter, right? You want to get to a, a point of stillness and quiet so that your mind actually gets a chance to rest and you get a chance to experience some amount of silence away from that constant chatter of your mind. Okay, so I have people just just watch the, the leaves that are going by or if you're running next to a stream, just you know feel the water going through its course and just look at what's close to you and then then look up and you can look at something in the far distance. It might even be in between a bunch of trees, a mountain in the distance, um, just any kind of a scene. And you just want to look up and look way back into the background, as far deep as you can see. And then just hang out there for a little until the scene passes, which it will, or something comes in front of it. And then come back to the to the near view. And then Always alternate back and forth between near and far, and then you can go middle distance if you want. You can jump around. But what it does is that after, towards the end of the run, you start feeling like, oh, I'm actually running through a large forest preserve that's in a bowl is surrounded by mountains. You know, it's not like I'm going down this trail and it's dirt and I'm putting one foot in front of my feet. You know, I mean, it's a way different experience. And the trick to all of this is, is to not describe with your mind anything you're looking at, because that starts your mind working, 
right? That starts your mind thinking, oh, that tree wasn't here last year. God, it's so green. Wow, this waterfall is like awesome. It's like falls so far. I'll bet it's about 13 meters or something. That's pretty high. You know, I mean, you could but go. But then you go like, oh, and then I, the water, oh my gosh, I got to get milk at the store. I mean, that's, oh, it's yeah, a, right, exactly. I mean, if you could stay in nature, like then you're winning, even <laughs> if you have your mind turned on. But if that's not usually the case, right? It's yeah, not, yeah. it leads to 14 other, th- 14 other yeah. thoughts. So the goal is to uh, just narrow down the thoughts, you know, just reduce, reduce, reduce the number of thoughts. And so that what you're focusing on is just observing, not what you're observing. It's just observing. And um, so that and it starts building this sense in you of there's always some part of you that no matter what's going on in your life, there's always some part of you that's just aware (laughs) just aware that's all it is it's not describing it's not pushing an agenda it's just aware in fact there is probably not any time maybe in your life where you can't look back and remember and go yeah part of me was aware there obviously when I was three years old and I you know was tired of wearing diapers there was something in me that was aware back then that this was a drag okay so it you know you really you're you're you can be in that place as often as you want but most of us aren't there you know even though it's always there there's always awareness if you didn't have awareness you wouldn't be looking at the screen right now talking to me on Skype you wouldn't be aware that that was there so there's something in you that knows for instance you're on a Skype call okay mm-hmm. so there's always awareness but whether you acknowledge it or not is the next level okay so well, through running you can do that I like that you used an image where you're like, you know what, the world is passing by you. You're not running through it, but in fact, like you are just like in this very nice like state yeah. of awareness and the world yeah. is just kind of like, oh, just kind of flooding by you and you're just watching it. And like that's that's, that's really it. cool. That's a like a very um, peaceful image. I mean, one of the images that I used to think about when I thought about the world was um, like helping the world, the earth rotate with every step, right? <laughs> on its axis because yeah. I'm that powerful. <laughs> Right, you know, like taking yeah. steps, like chung, chung, chung. Well, that doesn't lead to a very like. I mean, it, it makes you feel powerful, but that's not necessarily like, the lightest way to run, right? Because that's yeah. a lot of, you know, that's a lot of, um, you know, you, you're putting a lot of, of uh, uh, what's the word? Pressure. Pressure on yourself, yeah, <laughs> to, to move the world, right? right? right. Yeah. That's to, a big like, burden you got there, yeah. Yeah, burden. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know. End, yeah, when you switch it around and you can actually realize that, you know, I don't care how fast you're running, there is some part of you that is not moving, you know? When you really grok that, uh, then the world moves past you and it can go past you faster, slower, brighter, darker, greener, you know? I mean, doesn't matter how it passes by, there is some part of you that's in the middle of that watching that's really not moving, you know? It's not physical. It's not moving. When I um, find, I definitely find when I can get into a zone when I'm running and just feel like it's a feeling that comes over me and I can, and it's a sense, I don't want to say it's like tunnel vision, but it, but it is almost like I just, my focus becomes the space in front of me and it does have a somewhat cylindrical feel to it. So I guess it is a little tunnel-y like that, but, but sometimes that's the feeling that I try to get into when I have to do a faster pace. Because it just, and that I, that it's almost, I don't think, oh, I need to move my feet faster. I need to take quicker steps, whatever. I just think, I just need to get to that state and Mm -hmm. then it'll all happen. Yeah, that's that's the state of flow. You Mm -hmm. know, that's what people talk about. And when you're in that state, if you'll notice, when you are in that state, your mind is not working as much. Oh, my yep. goodness. Oh, it just I, it suddenly it's like a, like I've dropped a backpack off my back or something. It's yeah, just like, so, oh, I can keep this up. I can meet my goal because now I'm in that state. Yeah, exactly. And so the trick becomes how do you get yourself into that state predictably Yeah. the same yeah. way every mm-hmm. time on call whenever mm-hmm. you need it. No. And that's the whole beauty of, you know, focusing on some aspect of your technique because it because it focuses your mind it, mm-hmm. it knocks out the chatter it doesn't matter what it is sometimes all i do is i run and i um just watch my out breath mm-hmm. you know that's it and but i run in such a way that i don't miss a single out breath mm-hmm. okay that's a lot of attention mm-hmm. that i'm paying right that's but, a high bar danny that's a high bar <laughs> that's a high bar but i have 
the longest I ever did it was 45 minutes without missing a single breath. But at the end of that 45 minutes, I tell you, I was like in such a flow state. It was, it was amazing because my mind was completely put on the side. Mm-hmm. It was put on hold because all I was doing was just watching my breath. And my running, I, I was running in a place where I didn't have to look at the ground that much. I was mm-hmm. just kind of cruising along. But that's what I mean. If you can find something that you do that actually um, takes your attention, and it doesn't matter what it is, but it allows your mind to focus on anything. It's no different than sitting cross-legged looking at a candle. I mean, every mm-hmm. time you get distracted, you go back to the candle. Or like in TM, there was a mantra. You know, you repeat this sound. Every time your mind comes in and starts getting busy, you just go back to the sound. So it's no different than any other form of meditation, except that you happen to be in this uh, building that's moving along the road. (laughs) You're doing your your sit in this building, and it happens to be cruising down a trail somewhere. Well, and then your other one about the five senses, I like that too. And that seemed, I liked it because um, it seems very accessible. If somebody, you know, might be a little bit more um, skeptical or not quite sure if this is right for them, it really is just talking about tuning into your your five senses, right? As you're running and just being aware of that. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. This again is an exercise in awareness. And, and, but what it is, it's um, the five senses are your connection between the outside world and your inside world. There's, if you don't have five senses, you are not here. <laughs> you know, it means you're dead. <laughs> it means you have, you're either in a coma or you're dead. So if you have no access to your five senses, um, that is completely cut off from the physical world. Okay, so the five senses are the bridge between what is outside of your body and how you feel inside of your body. So if you... Um, it's your way to feel the world, those five senses. So you can smell the world, you can see the world, taste the world, you know, touch it. Um, and, and so you just focus on each one of the senses for, I usually do it. I set my countdown timer for like 10 minutes and I'll go out for a 50 minute run. And every 10 minutes, the beeper goes off and I switch to a different sense, one of my senses. And it allows you to, um, it really develops awareness is what it does. Not only awareness of what you're sensing, but awareness that you're sensing. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's, there's two things going on here. One is learning how to sense and deepening your skills. And the other one is um, just being aware of what you're sensing. Okay? So if you're running along, let's say you start with the sense of touch, you know, and so the sense of touch, you know, when I get into the sense of touch, I just try to feel every time my foot comes down on the ground, I'm touching the earth. You know, I feel dirt or I feel gravel or I feel pavement. Um, I feel the wind blowing across my face as I move forward. That's touch. That's mm-hmm. really feeling an invisible thing called air, right? And, and so there's uh, how my clothing feels on my body. You know, that's all touch. And I just... Um, become aware. That's all I do. Uh, again, I don't try to describe any of the things that happen in my senses. I just watch through that lens, through the lens of touch. I'm in that lens for 10 minutes. Let's say it switches to taste. Okay, well, I'm out on a trail run. What in the world am I going to taste? Okay. But with your sense of taste, you take it to a different level. Okay. So what's the difference in taste between running down Fifth Avenue in New York City and cruising on a trail through North Carolina. They taste very different, mm-hmm. you know? And there is a flavor of what you're moving through. It could be the flavor of sunlight coming through the trees. It could be, you know, the flavor of, like right now, it's springtime here, and it's so green. There's like a million depths of shades of green. And, you know, that's a whole flavor in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so and then then obviously visual, you know, what do you what do you see? What are you what are you seeing? And the interesting thing with all these senses is that whatever you experience in a meditative state where you're trying to train yourself in something like the five senses, it always, always can be applied to different levels. OK, so when, when we're talking about the senses, we're talking about the physical senses. Right. But. 
you could learn to be aware with those same senses when you're at a cocktail party and have a conversation with somebody. So they're speaking words and you're going, wow, what's the flavor of this person? What's the depth of this person? What, what is on the surface? What am, what's underneath that? What am I, you know, how do they feel? How do they look? How, you know, all these senses really enhance your experience of life. So these meditations are all about really um, taking running to a new level where you get to actually improve the quality of your life, not just physically where you're healthy. Yeah, great. That's good. You run, you get healthy. What about all the other levels, your internal work, your emotional level, your spiritual level? There's all these other levels that you can use those same tools to get to. They're just, you know, if you saw, read Harry Potter, you know, it's a port key. You know, you're running as a port key to another whole world, you know. Absolutely. And it's, a, it's a quick connection to something way different, even though apparently on the surface it looks this way. <laughs> nice, nice. So well, now I'm going to, we're, we're going to wind down, but it, this is totally off topic. But um, remember <laughs> that we're talking to mother runners. Um, I, oh, yeah. 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 I love that your daughter's name is Journey. It's, uh-huh. it's the perfect moniker for a child of two contemplative runners. And yeah. I adore talking baby names. So yeah. um, so reach back to when your wife, Catherine, was pregnant. So I'm just curious, were there other meaningful, unique names like Journey that you considered for your daughter? No. No? Oh, no. <laughs> that one, you know, we thought of other names. Uh-huh. We thought, you know, I really... Uh, I like the name Rachel or Renee, oh. and there was Isabel popped up, and oh. you know there were all these like names, but Traditional there though. wasn't, you know, we weren't into like you know rainbow and river and you know uh, we didn't. <laughs> oh, see, that's what that's what I was thinking because I thought, oh, journey. I'm sure they, you know, considered you know chakra or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Chi, they thought chi. Yeah, chi dryer. No, yeah, chi, chi dryer. No, um, we. Uh, it was so funny because we didn't know what to name. Uh, our daughter. And so whenever I would teach somewhere around the country, I would just put it out to the group and I say, okay, if anybody comes up with a cool name, just email it to me. Oh my goodness. And so one lady from uh, Virginia once emailed me, she said, uh, all she said in her whole email was, how about journey? And and my wife and I heard that we go, wow, that's really kind of out there. And, uh, but we'll throw it on the list, you know, we put it on our list of names Mm -hmm. and it just kept floating to the top. I mean, there was, after a while, it was like, this is ridiculous. We don't even need to like keep collecting names. This is, it's, this is it. you know, yeah. this is the name. And believe me, it has completely fit her and she's lived up to it. And I mean, she just turned 16 and she's probably been in that many countries in her life already. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, she is just loves to travel, loves people, loves being out there in the world. She's very gregarious. She's like, loves life, loves moving. And I don't know if it's, she likes to take trips to get away from us, but, <laughs> <laughs> but she does like us. She likes traveling with us as well. So, um, but yeah, no, we, you know, I, I'd love to say that we uh, went through a whole list of cool new age names, but you know, this one just absolutely fit from the, from the word go. So, and then did, did you, like, did you let the, sorry, Deb, did you let okay. the woman in Virginia know that you settled on journey? I did. Okay. I did. She was very honored. And I, I said, thank you so much. This is a gift, you know. And uh, so it was really nice. I'm curious, do you, have a, thing, do you have a nickname for her? I mean, it uh, doesn't shorten easily. No, this doesn't. No, no, yeah, no she's no, just, just journey. journey. Okay. But, you know, unless, of course, uh, she's uh, getting us angry, then it's Journey Marie. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's her middle name. <laughs> but what's funny is the middle name, Marie. Uh-huh. Both of us, we didn't know a middle name, but we didn't want to call her Journey Dryer. It sounds like it sounds like you're stuttering or something. You know, Journey Dryer. <laughs> and so we wanted a middle name that kind of broke it up. And I was in San Rafael coming home from commuting to the South Bay one day, and I got off at the San Rafael exit, and all of a sudden a voice in my head just said, Marie. <laughs> and, um, and I drove home. I was there in about five minutes, and I walk in the door, and I said, Catherine, I got it, the middle name for Journey. She goes, is it Marie? Oh my goodness. Oh wow. <laughs> she had had the same thing happen that afternoon. Oh my goodness. So this voice just like popped in her head. Marie, of course. You know, it's weird. Wow. And there's no like your great great grandmother wasn't Marie or something like that? Ah. Oh, wow. <laughs> nope. Oh. 
And right. definitely nobody was named Journey. Yeah, right. <laughs> Except the band, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's funny because I didn't, I didn't, hadn't even listened to Journey music. I wouldn't have been able to tell you a song that they did. Um, but now since then, I, you know, don't stop believing or something like that. Well, I was about to say, yeah, Glee and, brought that back. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or you need to listen to Lights because that's, um, you know, all about uh, nostalgia for going back to the Bay Area. So yeah, yeah, because that you... that's where that journey was from. Right, band, right. You know, yeah, and right. Like, yeah. Everybody thought, well, of course you name her Journey because they they're from here, you know. And we oh. go, Journey who? <laughs> <laughs> a journey band, really? There's a band called Journey. No, we are really out of it. We are new age. We are uh, no pop culture challenge is what my wife would say, you know. Nice. So. Nice. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Danny. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. I love it. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Great. Have a good day. so uh almost transporting to talk to him you know i must yeah. listening to him talk was almost a, a meditation yeah he was kind of in that that mode right so yeah so i was wondering like what's the taste of your last run oh. what, what did your last run taste like sarah uh it tasted like black top and s- s- salt it was a very challenging run. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. That's good that's good i mean he was he when he's talking in it i, I, was, I wasn't because he Describe it so well, but he's like, there's a difference between a, a taste of a Kmart and a church. And I was like, yeah, there is. And like saying, you know, Fifth Avenue and, and a trail in the, you know, in Asheville, very yeah. different. And that, that I just, you know, I mean, you can take it or leave and you don't have to obviously like, you know, concentrate on every exhale, but just like bringing some level mm-hmm. to your run like that, I think is just really, um, it, I think it does complement the rest of your life. Oh, and then I, th- I think you can then be present in other parts of your life by pa- practicing that, that um, you know, centering and grounding with your running. And then, you know, instead of life just kind of going by in a blur, you can be like, oh, yeah. And then that, you know, Tuesday afternoon that we were at the park, you know, with our kids and all that type of stuff, it can just, yeah, I think it adds a richness and a texture to your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Dimity, you are here. So take us to the Train Like a Mother Club. I am here. And now I'm heading over to the Train Like a Mother Club corner. Um, I have got um, Robin, who is in the 5K challenge. Last week, we had an encounter with a daughter that wasn't all that um, pleasant. Mm-hmm. And this one is very pleasant. It's kind of fun. So here's um, Robin. She says, good luck to the Wave 2 runners this week. I was in the first wave and ran last week. But this has been my first chance to post pictures. I ran in the Tulip Time Run in Holland, Michigan. Mm. You would probably like that run, right, Sarah? (laughs) Um, My daughter ran the race, too. As part of a college class, she worked with 9- and 10-year-old boys in an after-school program to train them for the 5K and teach them about healthy living choices. Some of them couldn't run more than two minutes when they started. They all finished the race. One even finished after falling out in the first mile. Mm. It's been neat. To train alongside my fellow mothers, my daughter, and her boys. She would tell me of their successes and failures in training as we would share ours on Facebook. We all stumble and we all fall and we all encourage each other. It has been great to be a part of this group of bammers. Oh, and I beat my goal time by three minutes and ran a PR of 29.15. I have never been a runner or felt like a runner, but at that race, I was a runner and will continue to be. Thank you to this group. So that is really cool, Robin. And um, yes, you are a runner, and you were, but now you definitely are with that blazing fast three-minute PR time. Yeah, jeez, Louise. And sharing that, sharing her love of the sport. I mean, I assume that her daughter probably was motivated by watching her mom, and then she turns around and gives it to these young boys, who will then maybe bring it back to their families. And it's like, you know, dropping uh, some food coloring in a you know tub of water and just seeing it spread out and color the entire you know vat of water. Wow, that's a beautiful image, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what the water tastes like exactly, but... Um, um, Well, so I'm delighted to announce we are going to record a podcast episode in front of an audience. The show... Well, I know, I know. And you're going to be part of it, Dim. And that was was part of it. Um, The show will be in Spokane, Washington, in conjunction with our AMR retreat, although anyone and everyone is welcome to attend. 
The idea came to me from listening to several other podcasts do live shows, and I thought, I want to be like all the cool kids. Um, and then I realized that at least two of my co-hosts, Dear Dimity and Coach Christine, would be in Spokane for the retreat, so the stars aligned. And there's a chance that my best running friend might be there too. Stay tuned. Um, we're firming up the details, but the show is most likely going to be on Thursday, September 22 at 7 p.m. at Fleet Feet Spokane. Part party, part podcast recording. Everyone who will, attends the retreat will get prime seating, but it's in a CrossFit gym, so <laughs> there's plenty of room for all. There will we'll be do bo- we'll, we'll do box jumps yes. after the podcast, right? And there will be chairs. There will be chairs. I asked that because I was like, mm, that black mat. I'm not so sure about that. Um, so, um, so we'll open registration in June or July. But um, I'm so excited. I just had to promo it, and I'm hoping this announcement has now piqued your interest in our retreat. For all the details and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. Again, that's anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat. Or you can go to just another mother runner and then uh, click on the join us uh, link that's down a, a picture. You got to kind of scroll down a little bit. And uh, Dimity and I really hope you'll join us at the retreat. Absolutely. And you know what, Sarah? I just had another brainstorm. Ooh. You know how they have live music during podcasts? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they always have some kind of like oh, yeah. up and coming band, like on This American Life or something like that. Or, yeah. Um, I wonder if there's any musicians in spoke, any mother runner musicians like who play oh, the guitar or, or... have Jonna bring her, her, her viola, oh, her, violin. <laughs> her viola. Could... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Her viola. Oh my gosh. Well, and especially if she could like do a little, you know, a little bluegrass, you know, I'm not sure we want classical music, but, um, mm-hmm. Ah, that would be really fun. I mean, just, you know, not, not, it's not a, it's not a concert, but it'd be really fun to have like music leading you in and out. And then, yeah, that would be very fun. Yeah. Well, we are um, in conversation with a women's running group in um, Spokane. So uh, maybe they, uh, they're called the Swifts. Um, and, uh, it sounds like a band name. It does. It does. Right. A a girl band. Um, so, so that's, yeah. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I'm yeah. No, no, no. That's su- that's a super fun idea. Yeah. And if you are a um, mother runner musician in Spokane, why don't you email us at runmother at gmail.com and we'll get that conversation. And hopefully that music rolling along. So um, it's our version of American Idol and the voice and the mother runner <laughs> podcast all put together. Your recording contract is right around the corner, but you've got to come to the mother runner retreat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we provide such wonderful promises, don't we? <laughs> Simon Cowell's going to be there. So will Gwen Stefani. She's a mother runner, right? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. We are just, where are we now? Where are we? What does it taste like here? What's it, where are the colors? <laughs> well, whether you meditate during them or not, many happy miles to you. 